work and at home, we spend a lot of time focusing on our weaknesses, and marriage forces us to grow through them and find ways to get on the same page together if we're going to survive, let alone thrive. But it doesn't have to be that way. Our guest today is Eric Williams, Strength Finder Coach, and he'll show us how focusing on our strengths will bring out the best in us and each other. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we challenge you to play along at home and build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. All right. Welcome to the show. This is Danielle and Justin, and we are so glad you're joining us. Yeah, this is episode 79. Um... Is that a good golf score, honey? Yeah. That'd be a great <laughs> score for me on nine. Yeah, really. Uh, we need to go out on a date night and play golf. We need golf. to do a golf? Yeah. Can we do putt-putt, though? Golf date. No, come on. Real golf. It's too but, hot. But in Texas in the summer, you got to go in the morning. <laughs> or at dark. So and play that to... glow golf. No, because it's still 100 degrees at dark. <laughs> no, we need to get out early in the morning. Let's do that. All right. Well, our guest... Golf date. Our guest today is Eric Williams, Strengths yeah, back Finder, on topic. <laughs> Strengths Finder Coach. He is on the show today, and he's actually one of our coaches. So you yes. know he's awesome if he can deal with us and our shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to bring all of our very best to our marriage and family, but sometimes we're just not quite sure how to do that because we're believing some myths that instead lead us down the path to consistently letting our weaknesses drag us down. Weaknesses! <laughs> Eric, Why are you yelling weaknesses? Because it's so true. Eric's going to call out those myths and put us on the path to where our strengths are what we truly share. Okay. So, honey, I have a question for you. Okay. What is one of my weaknesses? Uh, <laughs> I'm not, no, no, I'm do not it. going. No, 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 no. no. This it's is a, a safe... it's a trap. I hear Admiral Akbar in my ear. It's a trap. It's a trap. This is a safe place, honey. What is one of my weaknesses? <laughs> no. How about how about your strengths? Let's talk about your strengths. We talk about that in the episode. Well, then let's just get right to the interview today. Honey, okay, I'll do it. I'll call out one of your no, weaknesses. Thanks. That's okay. That's okay. You don't want to focus on weaknesses at all? No. Well, actually, no, we're the whole conversation with Eric is about focusing on our strengths, and you're talking about weaknesses. You're like setting us up for the, like, what's going on? All right. Well, I guess I was playing into the myth <laughs> that you focus on weaknesses, which is so true. Um, it is. Right. It absolutely is. All right. Like, uh, we were doing it this morning. We were absolutely doing it this morning. I do it every, all the time. Well, it's just, we're, our youngest is a, a high F on the Myers-Briggs. Like she's got, she's a feeler. She is an oh, empathetic She feels heart. everything. She feels everything. And so everything is very reactive. And emotional. At four, year old, at four years old and emotional. And, you know, we were just seeing it as a weakness this morning, frankly. Yeah. Because it's it's, there's just something crazy. that just drives us crazy about it. <laughs> But we know that she's going to use it as a strength. We just have to teach her yes. how to use that, like he says in the episode. It's a perspective flip. Yep, it is a perspective flip. So anyways, let's just get to the interview with Eric Williams. Here we go. 
So we are joined on the podcast today by Eric Williams, and he is a strengths finder coach. We get super geeked up about that kind of stuff, don't we, honey? Yes. And he helps people. Eric's a man of many talents. He is. But today we're going to talk about how he helps people just tap into their strengths in order to be more engaged at home, at work, and in their marriages. Super glad to have you on the show. Thanks for being here, Eric. Yeah, thanks for having me. I have been looking forward to this ever since we set this on the calendar. So I'm I'm ready to have some fun. Yeah, ready to throw it down. That's All right. right. So so how did you get interested in bringing people's strengths to the surface? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. When I was in college, and I think it was like my senior year, it was like a a throwaway final. Um, business course that I had to take. And, you know, it was between this and something else. And it was some leadership development course. And I thought this is going to be cake. It was my spring semester getting ready to graduate. And we took this assessment, the, uh, the Gallup Strengths Finder assessment. And you get these personalized results back and it gives you, you know, 34, you, everybody has 34 strengths. And it gives you your results in order based on what you, how you naturally think, behave, or feel in, in certain situations. And these are all like super personalized. And I started reading this and I was like, yeah, I mean, this is cool. This is good. This is definitely me. And I got some stuff out of it. But then I was like, let it go and got into my career and everything like that. And then probably five to six years later, I had just changed jobs. I was part of a uh, church plant, actually. And so we were doing this like church leadership getaway. And we went down to Atlanta to see a conference. It was a Catalyst conference. And there was a speaker there by the name of Marcus Buckingham. And he was actually one of the authors of this book that had the Strengths Finder assessment in it. And as he was talking about strengths, and as he was talking about the way that we naturally think, behave, and act, it was, it was one of those things that was just an eye-opener for me that as he was talking about focusing on your strengths and not about your weaknesses uh, and figuring out what it, what actually makes you stand out and how that benefits the team, how that benefits people around you. It started to strip off a lot of insecurities that I had and it started to really open my eyes. And it was like the first time that I said, yes, that is me. This is what, what I believe. And, and honestly, the light bulb moments that I see in other people when they start to get this stuff, especially when they dig into their own strengths, that's what keeps me motivated to help people, teams, marriages, systems, all that sort of thing get better. I hear you saying play to your strengths. Mm -hmm. Like, and I feel like that's almost like counterintuitive to the way a lot of us think. And we'll break that down a little bit more. But how do you think you use this in your everyday, your career, your family, your marriage? There are obviously things as a parent that you're, you're not fired up about that your spouse tends to get fired up about. You know, sometimes you're like, what's going on? Or there are certain activities you do with your kids that you get more fired up about, or you're nat naturally more patient with, or you're like, you're jumping to do that. Like those are the things, or there's, uh, if you have more than one kid, there's a kid that you relate to a little bit more, um, or there's a parenting style that comes across better. Those are all based in our natural gifts and our natural talents. In fact, uh, I think it was Andy Stanley said this, but he said like your your parenting style. If you have a if you have a rigid parenting style, it'll work for one of your children. You know what I mean? Because like you have a certain way that you act and react. And yeah. those are the types of things that if you're working in an area of strength. And the other one's going to end up in the therapist's office because right. of how you treat them. Exactly. No, but I, this is something where I can, like the mommy guilt or the daddy guilt yeah. or whatever can kind of kick in. 
I do not like bath time whatsoever. I don't like mm-hmm. shampooing. I don't like sitting there on my knees playing with bath toys. Can none we of just it. Just put the bubble thing on the pressure washer. Right, right. I, exactly. I like none of it. Is and there I, like a child size golf ball cleaner that you could just kind of put? That <laughs> I like that. Yes. And when I tell like my mom that she's like, that's like the best time of the day. And I'm like, that is my nightmare. Sure. I mean, you think about love languages, like some people touch is their love language or some people quality time is their love language. You know, love languages are all very similar to that strength piece. And so for me, uh, my youngest child, for whatever reason, he is a ball of emotion. Everything for him is such high emotion. And when he gets in those, in those modes, I don't know why, but I turn into super dad and I'm like, great, come over here. Let I'm going to hug it out. I'm going to tickle you. We are going to wrestle. We're going to get this, you know, get this emotion out of here. Whereas my wife, she's just like, I cannot handle him. You take him and, and she's not good with him. Whereas my older son, it's almost the opposite. He gets, he gets sassy. He gets smarmy. He gets, you know, he has, has these little other outbursts that Marmy? she, I don't know. I don't know. That's what I mean. <laughs> But like, she's incredibly patient with him. And I'm just like, I cannot handle this. And so I think, you know, that's, that's a piece where my strength comes out and I need to know what that looks like. So that way I can offer that up because at the end of the, at the end of those times together, like as much as I don't like dealing with the meltdown, uh, I would much rather deal with and turn around the meltdown of my youngest child than with my oldest. I totally get that. I'm just, I'm wondering, so you talk about the strengths finder assessment Mm-hmm. And it's got four different categories that most people fall into. Um, so I, I feel like you're touching out a little bit on some of these, but sure. what are the four categories that people fall into? So you have uh, four domains and you can have multiple strengths throughout your different domains. But the first one is strategic thinking. Um, and that's, that's really pl- uh, planning things. It's either being, um, they split that into like, creative stuff or critical stuff. So I'm going to strategically think about things in a way that's like going to create something that's never been done before, or in a way that's going to be critical, not in a negative way necessarily, but in a way to critique things that are already happening. So that's strategic thinking. Then there's executing. The executing domain, that is just getting stuff done. That is your type A, uh, I'm, I'm activator, I'm going to achieve things, I'm just going to go, go, go. There's the hill, you point me towards it, and I'm going to take it. Then there's an influencing theme and the influencing domains, those are the rarest worldwide, but that is, that is helping encourage others to perform better. So those are influencing themes to try and get more out of other people. And then finally, there's the relationship building uh, quadrant, and that is all about uh, building relationships with people. So where the executing theme would say, point me in the direction of the, uh, of the hill, I'm going to take it and I'm going to be first, you know, or we're going to be best or whatever. We're going to do this relationship is going like, you guys go, go ahead, take the hill. I'm going to make sure everybody gets there together. So there's a couple of different, different ways we think about it. And again, um, if you've taken the, the test, some people say, well, man, all of mine are in one area. Is that weird? No. Um, others say, well, I've got like them spread across two or three. Like that's, that's fine. Cause essentially we all have these strengths within us. Um, but I like to talk about it, like whether you're going to look at either, uh, your desk at work or, um, your tool set, like what are the items that you're using the most? And those are the strengths that are coming to the top. That kind of brings us to our next topic, which is you wanted to tell us myths that we believe about bringing strength to our marriage. And I feel like one of the first ones is you are needing to grow the most in your area of weakness. So whatever you're bad at, oh, but I don't wanna. You need to get better. 
bad. <laughs> That's what I feel like the nagging thing kind of comes into play. It's like, oh, yeah. you're well, not, you said it. You're not good at that. Get better. Right. Um, it's just reinforced when you leave the house. I mean, if you have a job outside of the house or if you report to anybody, um, you know, other than your spouse uh, or your kids, actually, uh, if you report to anybody, think about your yearly performance review, right? You spend five minutes on what you did well, and then the other 45 minutes are on your, what we call the areas of opportunity, right? The areas for most growth. And they talk about your weaknesses. And if you've been married longer than, I don't know, a couple of weeks, you realize that this whole thing isn't true, that you don't end up you know, growing most in your area of weakness, you see that uh, over time, the the thing that you're going to grow most in is your areas of strength. Um, in fact, University of Nebraska, they did a speed reading test study with college students. They took average readers, so people that didn't weren't naturally strong in an area, and they gave them a speed reading test. And it turned out that they could read an average of 90 words per minute, which is great. Then they took above average readers, they tested them, and they had an average of 350 words per minute. So you've got people that are uh, showing some level of proficiency in an area against people that not necessarily. Then they gave them a speed reading course, an average speed reading course. You took the people who were kind of weak in reading anyway, they went from 90 words per minute to 150 words per minute. That's pretty good. Then they took the people that were strong already in reading at 350 words per minute, and they took it at the same speed reading course, and they increased to 2,900 words per minute. There was an exponential Whoa. level of growth in areas of strength. And so I would say for spouses, the number one thing is to what are you identifying in your spouse that they're strong, that they are good at, that they are naturally proficient at, and how are you encouraging them to grow in that area? One of my friends was, was giving a talk and he was talking about uh, some proverbs on, on gratitude and being grateful and how the more you show gratitude towards someone else and identify what it is that they're doing well, the more they're going to want to repeat that. I mean, it's a, it's a basic Pavlovian type of response there that you do good. I reward you for doing good. You're going to continue to want to do that thing for that reward. So helping identify what it is that makes your partner strong and really supporting them and encouraging them to build that rather than saying, you know, whatever disparaging things like, oh, you know, stop, stop doing your, your do it yourself projects, your Pinterest things and start working on this. You know, I wish you were more like this, like, no, encourage what they're naturally good at. Why did you fall in love with them in the first place? Okay, can I jump in here and say something that Justin has a crazy strength in that literally blows my mind like Please. all the time. And this is something that I never really related to growing up. This wasn't a strength in anyone in my family. But <laughs> Justin is a crazy good problem solver and he can take the risk just to go after something. He's not bound by fear or what he thinks might I'm not go wrong. bound by anything. Okay. No, but seriously, this is what happened. I am untamable. I <laughs> accidentally backed into a parked car the other day. <laughs> so I was backing down a driveway and I hit somebody's car and I love my minivan so much. It is like a member of my family. Like I love it so much. And it had this giant dent in the back bumper. And I was horrified. And of course, I go to the body shop and they're like, oh, it's going to be like $1,500 or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, I'm, oh, $1,500 stinks. And Justin's yeah. like, well, let me just get on YouTube. <laughs> and then he gets out like a, a teapot full of hot water and a mallet, pulls my bumper off. 
And literally, you would never know that anything happened to this vehicle. It is perfect. There you go. My (laughs) (laughs) $1,500. But that's the kind of stuff Justin does. He's fearless and he's just a problem solver. It's like, okay, $1,500. Boop, it's fixed. He's a YouTube MacGyver. He's all set. So here's the thing. Strengths are not skills. And so that's, that's something we're going to say, like, uh, my husband's strength is not do, you know, my husband does not have the strength of doing the dishes, doing the dishes is not a, is not a strength, you know, cleanliness is not a strength. Those are, those are skills. Those are habits. Those are routines. And if you can identify what the underlying strength is that you have, or that your spouse has, you can change skills and you can change habits. And you know what, one of my favorite piece of information too is like you know you do the survey your child comes home with the following grades english a science b social studies c algebra f as a parent which grade deserves the most attention from you and 77 yeah 77 of american parents say the f because they look at that area of weakness and say obviously you're not proficient in that area you need to improve it you know it's like hey mom dad can i go outside and play did you do your algebra homework first you know and think about when you're if you're going to offer them any sort of like extra summer classes or workshops or anything like that you're not doing it in the english you're saying you need to take remedial math when in reality what we need to ask is what was it that was so um exciting about english that you just breezed through it and that's why you know i don't think any marriage is necessarily dead because you can look at it and you could say okay what what are the strengths that i have how can i use those to gain new skills? How can I use those to gain new habits? How can I use those to meet the needs of my spouse or my kids in a new way? Because if you don't grow and mature with your spouse, if you don't grow and mature with your kids, you're going to be an emotionally immature individual and, and your family is going gonna, is gonna to blow right past you maturity-wise. And you're going to wonder why in 10 years you're looking back going, man, what, what the heck happened? Well, it's because you're still potty training, you know, essentially. what i hear you saying is i I know i know i am guilty of this for sure and it's like justin can't you do this more or can't you be more of this and it's like you said you're just asking him to do something that he cannot do like how does that play out in the marriage kind of scenario yeah, again, it's it's focusing on what they do well, trying to figure out the bottom of why, why is that a strength for you? Why do you feel strong when you do that? So you identify Justin's a problem solver. So we'll just say Justin's a problem solver. That's one of his strengths. That would be the thing is to try and, and try and point that problem solving strength towards what it is that that you guys need to work on together. So if there's something you're identifying, let's say, let's say Justin it does not clean up after dinner. He does not help clean up after dinner. And that's like a pain point for you in your marriage. And you're like, man, that's a, tough. Instead of solving that problem for him, because you know he's a problem solver, bringing it up and saying, hey, Justin, you know what? Here's what I'm realizing is that at the end of the night, after I've cooked the dinner, after we're getting ready to put the kids to bed, there are still um, dishes on the table. Things need to be cleaned up. And I just really can't go to bed until that stuff is cleaned up. But I'm also struggling because I'm just so tired at the end there. Do you have any ideas and ways that, that we could help? I'm struggling and I need some of your help. And This is a great just- example. But except the roles for, need to be flipped. Except for Justin is killer <laughs> at cleaning out for the kitchen. He's killer. Okay. So, that, you know, but whatever no, it is. Danielle's yeah. awesome at just... Making being, a mess. Being a Tasmanian devil throughout the entire day. <laughs> sure. Well, so I mean, but that's what I'm saying. It's like for a problem solver like Justin, identifying the problem and letting him solve it is probably going to result better than you coming up with a solution for him and saying, now do as I say, 
or do as I suggested. For someone like Justin, I, you know, that, that's going to be like, uh, no, I'm not. I'm, in fact, you're probably going to get more resistance because you solved the problem for him as opposed to identifying the problem, letting him solve it. And sometimes that means for us guys too, like we got to step out of the way and let you solve it. <laughs> It's it's so true. Uh, again, drawing the parallel, I've been teaching this communications skills course at work, and we talk about this this exact same thing. Like the minute you try to solve a problem for somebody, when we're talking about performance conversation or something like that, the minute you try to solve it for them, you own the solution. Yep. It's coaching 101. Like you got to let people own, yeah, own and the answers. I, I know like for you, like if that scenario played out with the dirty kitchen or whatever, and I wanted to play to your strength and wanted to understand that you, uh, you're not my child. You're a creative resourceful yeah, person. It took a couple years. It took a couple years to get Danielle to not talk to me like one of her students. Yeah, well, teachers kind of do that, but yeah, but that, but that was, you might those come were some up, ugly conversations. But you might come up with something that's totally not what I had in mind. Like I might be like, as soon as dinner's done, you need to jump up, Ooh. hurry up, power wash the kitchen, and you're like. Well, you know, I've got quiet time in the morning and I listen to worship music. I could just clean up while I listen to it in the morning before you and the kids come down. Or, you know, there might be something totally different that he's going to then own sure. instead of me like forcing something that's not going to work anyway. Exactly. Okay. And I, that's it. That's yeah. it. Identify, like, if you can identify the problem or the pain you are experiencing because of the problem. Mm-hmm. And then, I'll, and then, help someone else. So Danielle, you, you know, if you, if you think you're more on the relational side, if Justin were to say to you, Hey, you know what, it really makes me feel X, Y, or Z, or it creates a rift in our relationship when this doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Like I, I do not feel loved and cared for when this happens. Now, all of a sudden, if you have more of that relational mindset that might flip on and go, okay, great. Now I'm attaching a task to relational connection. Whereas for Justin, he's attaching a task to strategic thinking and trying to problem solve. I think it's, it's, it's funny and apropos that the conversation so quickly moves to uh, examples of conflict conversations. <laughs> you know, There's like where, where our that. strengths and our weaknesses collide. Mm-hmm. And I think if when we move through that, we what we want to get to, tell me if I'm wrong, is where uh, your strengths and mine and are in sync, where we're where teamwork makes the dream work to yeah. quote your dad, Danielle. Yeah, well, I know. And one of the other the other myths that Eric wanted to talk about was that you need to be a well-rounded person. So I think that kind of plays into this too. So you're you're not supposed to be a well-rounded person. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big myth. And, and I, I was growing up with this, like my, my parents would always say, you need to be good at a little bit of everything, right? You need to be kind of a, a utility player, you know, that's a Swiss army knife, you need to just be good at everything proficient in everything. And in, in reality, um, that, that doesn't really work. And t- all sorts of research on teams from jobs on on uh, teams from marriages, they show that if you're well rounded, then there's nothing in particular that you stand out for. And there's nothing that you really have to offer. And you're really playing against who you are, because each one of us is different. And so you bring a different level of strengths. And so, you know, you mentioned it goes into a lot of that conflict stuff, because the bottom line is what 
the source of your greatest strength can also be your weakness because that's how you think, that's how you behave, that's how you act, that's how you make decisions. And so if you're making decisions based on your strengths, the chances are the thing that's pissing you off most about your spouse is something they're really, really good at. And so instead of trying to level that out, and downplay that in their life, you need to figure out what is it that they're really good at and how can you point that in a productive area. And so rather than asking them to say, hey, I, you know, Justin, I wish you were just a little less strategic thinky and Daniel, I wish you were just a little less relationship oriented, try to look at it and say, okay, Daniel, here are the problems that we're, we're trying to identify, we're trying to solve, or say, this is something, man, wouldn't it be great if we had X, Y, or Z, but we need to build strong relationships to get there tell me, how would you do that? You know what I mean? And so that's where your two strengths can intertwine and play in a, in a compatible nature, but also identifying that, that if something's ticking me off, it's, it's probably your strengths talking. It's not a weakness you have. It's a strength that's mismanaged. We'll get back to our conversation with Eric Williams in just a moment, but we want to take a minute to talk to you about what it takes to build a legendary marriage. Yeah, today we're going to focus on community, as we often do, because we believe that isolation is the enemy of a legendary marriage and community is a big part of the solution. Yes, see, the truth is that your spouse cannot meet all your relational needs and it's crazy to try to make them. So doing so creates just an unneeded strain and codependence that just isn't healthy. See, men need to have connection and community with other men. And women need the same with other good women. And together, we need a few people who stand with us in our marriages to help us find a way over, around, or through every challenge that life has to offer. Yeah, we all long for a place to belong, where we're supported and encouraged and where we can do the same for others. And our Facebook community makes it easy. This is a group where you can connect with other couples who refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. So don't just listen in. Come join the conversation in our group. Share your ideas, your insights, your experiences, your victories, and your struggles in a circle of men and women who will support and encourage you. Be a part of this movement of couples who are transforming their marriages and their families forever. It's an amazing group of men and women, and we hope to see you there soon. Find us at legendarymarriage.com slash community. And now back to the second half of our conversation with Eric Williams. Your strengths want to eat. They are hungry. And if you do not allow them to eat in a healthy way, they will end up eating things that you don't want them to. For instance, let's say, Justin, uh, we're just going to keep picking on you. It's just easier because I think I identify more with you, Justin. So these are probably more me stories. But like, let's say uh, Justin own, has own a- it, own your own stuff. Quit <laughs> <laughs> <Good> projecting. <laughs> Uh, let's say Justin has a particular strength and desire to make things as good as they possibly can, right? Uh, a nine is still a failure because you want a, a 10. There's always a possibility to be a 10. And so w- if you're not if you're not feeding that in a healthy way, then you're going to start doing that to your wife. You're going to start doing that to your kids. And now all of a sudden, their five-year-old soccer game isn't going to be good enough unless they are at a level 10. You know, all of a sudden, you're going to be angry parent over there yelling at the coach. All of a sudden, uh, you want the house clean, but it's never going to be clean enough. You want money in the bank, but it's never going to be enough. And so always striving for that enough can be very positive because you're going, hey, how can I make something that's good the best it can be? But it also can be a negative if you allow it to consume your yourself in the same way let's say Danielle so you're very relationship based and you're like uh, you know I just really want to win people over when I get into new situations I like to talk to people and I want to win them over that can be very good 
but that can also be seen as very shallow as as very surface level as like um now now when you're in in arenas with justin he doesn't feel special because what you're doing is you're trying to win everyone over and not focusing on your spouse or your kids or the people that you're supposed to be focusing on in that moment I think that actually happened today. I was meeting a group of new people and I was like trying to like create like a good atmosphere. And my four-year-old daughter just kept crying and crying and whining. And I was like, I'm trying to like, create like real like some good friendships here and you're ruining it <laughs> you are yes, a four-year-old you are ruining the emails they're trying harsh. to do the vulcan neck pinch you know you are <laughs> harshing my mellow so i had to tell her that i would get her donuts on the way home if she would stop crying well yep <laughs> and ah, that, that sounds like a healthy way of helping her develop coping mechanisms so here's a here's a dark side to backfire at all right right stop crying i'll give you donuts yeah feed your emotions right we're just gonna go ahead and eat your emotions oh (laughs) yeah that doesn't sound good talk about becoming a well-rounded person uh i but i i see this too on the thing when when you know if you ever talk about people who um you know people who cheat or people who go outside their marriage for the most part what what I see happening is somebody identifies their strengths and will start feeding into their strengths. And so in a way you start to say, and that happens too for a lot of people, like they cheat on their spouse at work because their work becomes more important because if I'm an achiever, I'm not winning medals at home, but I know that I can win a bonus at work, or I know that I'm going to get this at work, or, you know, I'm going to start cheating on my, my kids experience in their youth soccer program by being the coach and trying to be the best or being the, you know, the, the type A parent. And now all of a sudden I'm destroying their enjoyment because I'm really focusing on my own strength and, and maximizing that where that might not be the most important because I'm, I'm not feeding my strength in the right area. I like how you said earlier, you said, if you're really kind of in the zone, you like intertwine your strength with your spouse's strength. Yep. And you can kind of almost be well-rounded in that way. Like if you add the two of you together and you have one strength and I think where sometimes we fall into like conflict is when we both have a strength in a certain area and we both have a weakness in a certain area. There's no one standout person that it would make sense to... We just need to hire an assistant. Mm -hmm. And then they will be strong in all those areas that we're... Sometimes I feel like that's actually a detriment when you're similar... Yeah. In a lot of categories. Yeah. The whole opposites attract thing, we didn't get the memo. <laughs> no, there's definitely we ways. We did not get the memo. No, there's definitely ways that we are opposite, but there's, no, not. <laughs> there's a lot of ways that we're the same. And sometimes yeah. it's just like, it, does, it doesn't have any pop to it when we're the yeah. same sometimes. We need the differences a little yeah, bit. Well, but don't, uh, and, and this may not be f- the two of you because I know you're extremely emotionally mature, but it takes a lot of emotional maturity to identify strength in someone else and to celebrate that and understand that that doesn't take away from strength in, in, within you. So let's say you're both problem solvers. And if Justin would solve a problem in a different way than you would, Danielle, it takes a lot of emotional maturity to say, I wouldn't have done it that way, but that was a really good job. And I can tell you, good job, and I can support you without it taking away from me. And man, that 
that is tough. You know, when, when you can actually look at someone else and support them for something that you're good at without allowing it to take away from you. Mm, that's such a good point. I it, love it's that. it also when you are so aware of the weaknesses. Yes. It can be very challenging to pay attention to the strengths. Mm-hmm. And I think we were talking earlier about just like calling forth the strength and and helping people see it's a transferable strength without it being a manipulative conversation. Mm-hmm. Do you know when your children typically stop paying attention to creative arts? So whether it's music or art or like the creative writing side and people go, oh, probably middle school. Okay, probably fourth grade, probably fifth grade, even some sports. The reality is it's right around first grade when you start to see the first first taper off in creative pursuits. And I, I didn't really identify with that. I was like, that doesn't really make sense. But then I started looking. I have a kindergartner who just actually just, oh my gosh, he just graduated kindergarten this year. He's a first grader now. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> but like this whole year, I'm looking in my in my kitchen and all, all of our cabinets are full of uh, you know, maybe it's the same with you with like white paper plates with different color macaronis all over it. And the name Calvin scrolled across it with like three uppercase letters and three lowercase letters, right? Yeah. Next year, there's going to be fewer. And I'm hoping that doesn't happen. But do you know why that happens? That happens because the key difference will be there will be a white paper plate with colorful macaroni on it and either a check, a check plus or a check minus. Yeah. Because yeah. they're going to get a grade for creativity and when I start to do that to my spouse or my kids, and I start to look at what makes them strong, and I start to now grade it on a scale, now what I'm doing is I'm killing that dream within them. I'm, I'm diminishing their ability uh, to be strong. And in fact, I'm reducing um, you know, what some psychologists call like emotional safety or emotional security. And so if I look at you when you're doing something in an area of your strength and now I start to undercut it, or when you're trying to bring out something strong and I'm just focusing on the weakness, yeah, but you didn't do this, right? Oh, I wish you'd stop focusing on your whatever and start focusing on this. Now what I'm doing is I'm eliminating that opportunity for you to feel emotionally safe to bring that strength out in front of me, which is going to be even worse because now the stuff that you're actually good at, you're going to stop doing around me. So, you know, as a spouse, as a parent, we just can't do that to the people around us. You have to try and focus on supporting other people in their strength and managing around, using those strengths to manage around your weaknesses. Okay, so this is this is a story I have to own, and then we'll go on to the next myth. So Justin has taken ownership over painting our entire house. And because I was like, we used to paint things all the time, and I'm just over it. I'm just like, I'm over it. Oh, I'm over it too. But he has, like, we have, like, crazy high ceilings and some other stuff, and he's just like, I'll do it. I'll do it. And he did our bathroom the other day. It was like the first room that he took on. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I love this color. It's so great. But you did hit the ceiling a couple times with the roller and there's like a smudge on the ceiling. There's like a quarter inch by quarter inch dot of paint on the ceiling. And you suck. No, I didn't say that, but that's what he heard. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, I was so like excited, like, oh my gosh, you painted the bathroom is amazing. But the first thing I said was you got paint on the ceiling and he was like crushed by it. Yeah. Well, let me, first let me, thing was the only thing. Let me ask you, let me ask you this. Yeah. 
Danielle, this is specifically for you about Justin. Yeah. Do you think Justin is the type of person that does not notice mistakes? Do you think that Justin is the type of person that would overlook where something is not perfect? No. Okay. All right. So, I mean, I was kind of being a little facetious <laughs> there. but like, it, Eric. Thanks. Okay. The, this episode is over. <laughs> I was kidding. <laughs> but but I, I'm like, uh, that's the thing is, if you know what your partner is strong in, in what their areas of strength. And again, that now, Justin, you'd be probably the first to admit, you're able to identify perfection. You're able to identify gaps where you can fill them and make them better. That can be a weakness or that can, you know, be something that ticks other people off about you. But in this case, uh, when giving feedback, I'm not sure that I would have to give you feedback on where something wasn't perfect. I think being able to encourage you and say, hey, this is great. Cool. What did you learn in the bathroom here that you're going to make better in the hallway? Oh, man, what are the? Th- this must have taken you a long time. And it was really great that you figured this out. What are you going to try now in the living room? And then let him say, because the first thing he'd probably say is, I got a smudge of paint up on the, on the ceiling and I'm bummed out about that. And I'm going to make sure I don't do that in the living room. And now you're going, oh, yep. You know, you've identified, you've both identified the same thing but you allowed him to come to it from a position of strength in an area of emotional security and you, you become more supportive. Yeah, absolutely. I think that but I can't handle we are you. so conditioned <laughs> and you, you pointed at it earlier, like next year, check, check plus check minus. Right. We're so conditioned to look for the less than perfect and call it out. Like we do it at work. I work with managers who who have teams that just dread every conversation yep. because they come at with, well, here's the thing. They go back to the yes sandwich, uh, AKA the crap sandwich, right? The crap <laughs> Your hair looks really great today, but you screwed but, up that file. But I also like your glasses. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> or... Uh, So we we just, we're looking for something or we're looking so hard. We find these weird, obscure things, you know, this and this, everything was fantastic. It was, it was amazing. Except you said the, instead of the. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me step in on that real quick. We are all naturally trying to avoid pain and we are all naturally able to call out asymmetry. And so for someone who's deeply empathetic, their pain point is much more like, hey, Justin, you know what? You did a great job, but you didn't make me feel good when you did that, right? You know, that's their butt. Their butt ends up being about how <laughs> I felt. And for someone like me, I'm like, okay, great. Show me where, where it hurt because I don't understand I felt bad. You know what I mean? Like, did I get it done? So all that. Or they look for asymmetry to say, well, you didn't do it like you did last time. You didn't do it just like me. You didn't do it like you said you were going to do it. Those are the things where we're always checking up against, does it cause me pain? Or is it different than what I was expecting? Okay, so here's the the last myth Eric has for us is your personality changes as you get older. And this is the obvious When we got married, we we all thought we were going to change somebody to know I'm... (laughs) I didn't want you to change, honey. I signed up for the good stuff. You I mean, I think it's, a, it's, that's like the marriage cliche. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure how many young couples are getting into that anymore. Cause I think like, you know, the baby boomers and Gen Xers have beat it out of all of them to be able to say that people don't change, but it, it's true. You know, you get married thinking, well, there's some flaws in this person, but you know, we'll, we'll change it in them. And love will change it. 
yeah, love will change it. Or, or like I'm, or the other thing is you go, I will change like, Oh, that's not going to matter when we get married. Cause we're in love. And it's like, okay, no, that will still matter. And it'll probably matter more once you're living with them all the time. And once there's kids and you're adding stress and you're adding debt, and you're at blah, 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 you're going to be more of who you already are. So Gallup did a, you know, they quote a study. It's a 23 year study where they took a group of three-year-olds and they gave them a rudimentary personality test. They followed them 23 years later when they're 26 and tested them again. And there was an 80% correlation between how they were as three-year-olds and how they are as as 26-year-olds. And so that just goes to show that over time, you become more of who you already are, which speaks into this whole strengths thing. My two kids are very different. I've got a six-year-old boy and a five-year-old boy. And my six-year-old, so here's the thing. He, he does not know a stranger. Strangers to him are just friends he hasn't met yet, right? And he is, he'll say hi to everybody. He says hi to everybody. He gets upset when people in other cars don't say hi back to him. That's how much he's... <laughs> We're, we're in the grocery store. No joke. This was last week. We're in the grocery store and it's just me and him. You know, we split up the kids. We did a little, you know, split them up. And I was, I was, uh, I was putting all the stuff on the conveyor belt. He's putting stuff on the conveyor belt and he kind of turns around and double takes. There's this probably 70 or 80 year old man behind us. And he just turns this man and he goes, you need a hug and just gives him a big hug. And I am dying inside. I know you're going oh, but I'm like bubble, 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 you know, like, but like, do I expect that when he's an adult, is he going to be less outgoing? Is he going to be no. less personable? Do I want him to be less personable? I mean, that's again, that pain point thing. It's causing me pain because I'm uncomfortable, right? You know, in that situation. But in reality, what I'm hoping is that he will productively apply that personality that he has. He might be a good salesperson. He might be good customer service, might be a good therapist. He, he's going to be somebody who's great at making other people feel welcomed and valued if he uses it right. And I hope he never loses that. My youngest son, complete opposite. He craves structure. He craves rules. He craves, you know, he wants to be the best in competition. And so he's five years old. The other day we're outside playing baseball. But if you have a five-year-old, you know what playing baseball means. They have a bat that's about as thick as it is long and you're throwing a tennis ball and they're standing on their hat, you know, taking a, I'm really, I'm like, give me a test swing. So I know where to throw the ball. So you'll end up hitting it, that sort of thing. After about five minutes, we're playing and I'm throwing him. He's swinging. I'm throwing him. He's swinging. After about five minutes, what question do you think this structured competitive little boy is asking me? What do I have to do to win? He says, Daddy, what's the score? What's yeah. the score, Daddy? And I look at him and I'm like, there, there is no, there's, no, there's no score. I'm throwing a tennis ball to you. You're swinging, trying to hit it. We're, we're not keeping score. You're just, you're hitting it in. Fine. So we keep going. Swing, swing, swing. He, about five minutes later, what's the, store, what's the score, Daddy? What's the score? He wants to know so bad. So I said, fine. Here, strike one. Here, here you go. Strike two. It, strike, strike 20. Three. Strike three. You're out. Okay, go sit down. And the bottom line on that one is therapy. <laughs> therapy is the price that we pay to prove to our kids that they're wrong. And so that's what I hope he gets out of that. No, but really it's the same thing. Do I look at him and do I say, man, I really hope that he gets this like team spirit. And I hope that he downplays his competitive nature and his lack and his need for structure to be more spontaneous and to be sure a little bit of it. But in reality, I hope he funnels that competitive drive in a way that's going to help make him better, that's going to make the people around him better. One of my things that I know I have to teach him is if you keep beating the people around you, nobody's going to want to play with you anymore. And like, that's a good lesson to learn. Like, I want to be the best, but I want to help others be the best as well. 
Hey, we'll wrap up this conversation with Eric Williams in just a minute, but we wanted to let you know about a special offer we've got going on right now. If your marriage isn't all you want it to be, then we might be able to help. For more than 10 years, we've been coaching and mentoring couples, helping them find a way over, around, or through any kind of challenge in life and marriage. Over the years, we've identified some core issues that every couple faces, and we've designed a five-session coaching program to help you turn the busyness of life into the best backdrop for a legendary marriage. Yeah, it's designed to give you the skills and tools to get unstuck, dump the drama, and start having more fun and adventure together. Legendary marriage coaching is a great option for couples who are sick of settling for ordinary. We only take a few couples at any given time, so space is limited. You can find more at legendarymarriage.com slash coaching. And now back to our conversation with Eric Williams. You know what's funny is you end up judging other people based on your own strength. Yes. Like nine times out of ten. Weaknesses. Correct. Yeah, correct. But I mean, if I'm looking at someone else, like I'm an achiever activator. So those are two very high for me. So if you're not a if you are not a hard worker, I will judge you. And that's because I judge strength based on how hard I can work. If you're not someone who's an action taker, I will judge you. Why? Because I find strength in taking action. If you don't have good ideas, I mean, I don't usually judge people with bad ideas, but that's the thing where it's like, I definitely separate out people that I'm going to go after and people that I'm going to hang out with and you know collaborate with based on those things. Because those are the strengths I measure myself with. Whereas my wife, she her one of her top strengths is positivity. Um, so if it's like when she's around negative people, which can be me sometimes, that drains her. She's like, I don't, I'm not gonna be around you, and I judge you for being too negative. This person's too negative, and they'll she she doesn't like negativity, and so that's where we will end up judging people. And um, if it weren't you, she'd just cut you out of their li- her life, right? Like well, that's that what- went dark. No, no, no. I mean, like, that's what I would do. Like for you, I would make exceptions, but for other people, you sift it. So, so an example for, for us is Danielle has this wide eyed, optimistic, faithful belief strength. And uh, frankly, sometimes it's just like you just being naive, like you're being delusional because it's not one of my nicest way possible. Yeah, yeah, in a nice way. I uh-huh. feel like Eric's wife and I would get along really well, and you and Eric would. Well, get along you know, really well. that would be that would be strange because you don't really get along with people very well. Yes, I do. I, I'm being facetious. It probably <laughs> yes, doesn't translate do. well to to a podcast. Anyway, okay, so we've got to wrap this up here. All right, and for now, for a brand new segment of the show, the lightning round. <laughs> Eric's gonna lightning us. So there are four questions. <laughs> Here's the thing. This will be shocking. Oh, that was bad. Uh, so like, you know, obviously I'd ask people to take the strengths finder test. I think that is the best way to get to know someone else. But if you can't, here are four questions that you can ask and you can answer for your spouse that are immediately going to help you identify your strengths and where you can step in. So I'm going to give you guys the four questions. I'm going to throw them at you quickly. Just since we don't have a lot of time, just pick the one that you identify with most and go ahead and answer that. So the first question or the first statement you're going to want to fill out is you get the best of me when dot, dot, dot. The second one is you get the worst of me when dot, dot, dot. The third one is you can count on me to dot, dot, dot. The fourth one is here's what I need from you dot, dot, dot. You get the best of me when you drop me in the middle of an unfamiliar territory and I make fun and adventure out of thin air. That's good. 
you get the best of me when I feel uh, like my voice is heard and valued. So tell me what would be one area for the two of you that you'd say, okay, I need to do more of this for Justin or Justin, I need to do more of this for Danielle to encourage that strength in them. Throw Danielle in the trunk, drive her out into the middle of the woods, and throw her, throw her at the wolves, let her find her way back. That would be fun, actually. I'm telling you, blindfold her, drop her off in some little town someplace, and tell her to figure out. No, but you would have to come with me, though, because oh. I'm highly relational. You mm. just have to come with me. Yes. I mean, if I was if I was a strengths coach counseling the two of you, and I heard that, I would say, so maybe for uh, for instance, why don't say, you answer this don't for us, get Eric? Cars with him. So I'd say, okay, so for Justin, maybe Danielle isn't as uh, worried about the situation as you are. So when you're in a, a hot, when you're in like a oh man oh shoot this is random something came up you know how do we make the best of this you might be thinking and going oh gosh okay strategize 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 and she's just like oh juice boxes you know like yay it's so, okay I can have enough ulcers for both of us <laughs> <laughs> what is the matter with you honestly. <laughs> All right, all right. What, what was the next? And what, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no more questions. And what was the Justin's? Just like, how could I best help Justin in that? Yeah. So for someone like Justin, I think, and we're going back to paint thing and and like asking him more questions rather than answering them for him. And so identifying those areas and saying, uh, like, you might look at something and you might identify that something is wrong or something's not right or up to par. Ask him what he thinks about it. Ask him what, hey, what was your plan there? Hey, oh, that looks interesting. Tell me how you got to that decision rather than telling him his decision was wrong or rather than answering and solving the problem for him because he might end up in the same spot you are or even if he doesn't, he's still going to feel good that his voice was heard, understood, and acknowledged. I love it. I love it. Eric, there's, there way, there's way too much good stuff for one episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Eric. And we will include all the links of how to find Eric and his coaching and some strengths finder links if you are wanting to take that test and the questions that Eric was lightning rounding us. Um, <laughs> thanks for being on the show today, Eric. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. All right. There was so much in that conversation, but I, I, I think it comes down to this. Let's, let's just have a really quick conversation about this. Like, what's one of your strengths, honey, that you, that you just want to touch on? Yeah. One of mine in the influencing area, he talked about the four different areas, yeah. um, is called command. And it means I like to take charge and I'm not too con overly concerned about what other people are thinking of me or, you know, all that. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's in relationship systems, right? Yeah. Like it's in, in groups you want to take, oh, not yes. want to, it's not so much want to is that's not my experience of you. My experience of you is that I just in naturally a, in a vacuum, do it. <laughs> I just in do a it. vacuum, you step up. Always. Like if, if, if somebody asks a question in a group and nobody answers, Danielle's the one that says, okay, I'll, I'll, splay myself out there. I'll give an, an honest answer to it. Oh yeah. I've, I'm never fearful of putting my two cents in. Yeah. <laughs> how do we, and then create... owning the two cents. <laughs> so how do we create more opportunity for you to step into command? Ooh, I like that. 
Um, didn't we talk about that in the BDSM episode? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> if you're curious, go back to that hey, episode. Bring it on, babe. Witching. That was my whip. Uh, right. Could anyway, take, moving on. Could take command in the boudoir. No, come on. What? That's fine, but we're talking about something else here. Okay. Um, Why are you always talking about sex? <laughs> I'm not. It's like a constant thing. Um, I like to. Maybe it's. <laughs> maybe it's also why I was a teacher too. Yeah. I. I um, I'm always into. Ooh. Thinking about that, like I think your mom has that that same kind of a strength around command. Yes. Yeah. Everybody in our family is a teacher. And we all have that command gift. Yeah. All right. How about you? What's you know what? I'm thinking about this and part of our conversation last night at date night. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's time that we get somebody to help us with some of the logistical stuff with the business, with Legendary Marriage, so that you can focus more on So on I can tell them what to do? Create, no. So you can focus more on influencing and, and stepping into that leadership role in the group and everything. I love it. Yeah, I love it. How about you? What's one that you that we didn't touch on in the show? Uh, maximizer. What's that? Well, it's it's connected. I have this core value that I call Kodo, which is about it's a Japanese word that means a soul of motion, and that's me. Like I want to be moving forward. I want to make things better constantly. I want to be maximizing things, and um, in relationships, like spiritually, physically, emotionally. This morning, I was just uh, I was praying through some stuff and, and just recommitting to, to maximizing my health and fitness. Like I've got this whole revised strategy and plan for those goals. And, um, and then even with legendary marriage, I was thinking about this and it came back to the same thing around. We really need some help to, to offload some of the, the, you know what's really cool in that we should talk about this in the episode was like if we can use both of our strengths to like kind of yeah. merge together and we can make like one big super strength honey yeah Witching! yes all right so we all have this habit of focusing on our weaknesses or even seeing our strengths as places where we collide and don't mesh together in our relationships and it doesn't have to be that way so a great place to start is with our conversation starter this week have a conversation, and here are four places to, to look. Sit down with each other and talk about this. One, you get the best of me when. Number two, you get the worst of me when. Number three, you can count on me too. And number four, here's what I need from you. Have a conversation about those four starters. And as always, we're talking about all the hot topics from the podcast and so much more over in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at legendarymarriage.com slash community. Yeah, next week we'll be talking to Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She has researched seven types of rest. Seven? That we all need. And most don't know that there are so many, which may be why sleeping in on the weekend just doesn't leave us restored. So let's listen in a bit of our conversation with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Well, the first thing I tried was trying to get more sleep because I thought, well, maybe I'm just not sleeping well enough. So I started doing all the different things, melatonin, and there's nothing wrong with those type things, but I got more sleep, but I was still tired. And that's when it really started uh, clicking for me that it can't just be physical. 
because if it was just physical, then sleep should solve the problem if that was the only reason I was tired. So there had to be other areas of my life that needed some kind of replenishing before I could feel like I was energized and had the strength that I wanted to, to enjoy my day and my family. All right. So next week, we're going to learn more about rest and which type you might need and how it can refresh you and rejuvenate your marriage. Yeah, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith will give you a way to incorporate rest into your daily life. You will not want to miss it. Once again, you can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash 079. Finally, we want to help more couples have conversations that matter. So if you love the show, then please let us know. Jump over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Have a great week. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us on the adventure. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.